The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you from Salem, New Hampshire, and we have a really exciting episode in store because we are having the same guest on that we had on our very, very, very first Quirky Dog episode forever ago, over three years ago, the famous Bobby Lyons. And Bobby Lyons, for me, is by far one of the leading fitness, canine fitness instructors in North America, and I think she's the best in the U.S. personally. I've known her for over 10 years, and I'm obsessed with Bobby and all of her work, and we are inviting her on today as the program director for the CSCC. So um, we have just, this program just got released, and it's the Canine Strength and Conditioning Coaching Program. Bobby's here to tell you all about it, and our quirky tip of the day is to check this freaking program out. Well, hang on. Oink, you doink. Go ahead. <laughs> really, no. You Start guys, again. I'm really pumped about it because I actually personally am even going to be doing this for my own self and my own dog's fitness and my own training just to re-up my knowledge because I'm super passionate about fitness. Bobby always talks about prehab versus rehab. And, you know, if you have a canine athlete, you really want to make sure muscularly they're ready to compete. You know, strength-wise, they're ready to compete. Flexibility-wise, they're ready to compete. So I'm excited about this program and I'm super excited to have Bobby on today to explain it to us. Bobby, welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So tell us a little bit about what the freaking thing is and how this all came to be. I'm excited for you. <laughs> well, um, as you know, I've been involved in fitness in a long time. Um, I have um, been involved in another certification program as well. And um, I realized at some point that if I wanted to kind of steer um, where canine fitness was going, that... Um, being involved with my own certification program was the way to do that. Um, and I'd been pushed by a lot of people to do that. So, um, so the CSCC program was born, um, through, um, North Carolina state university. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Excited to um, partner with them. Um, they are super, super excited to have the program there and to grow, um, their, um, through the, uh, veterinary side as well. Um, they're going to be, um, using it as part of their continuing education program. They're going to be pushing all of their students to go through the program as well, just because there's just not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of outside influence mm -hmm. in the veterinary care, right? So not a lot of training, not a lot of, um, anything. So they, they go through the veterinary world and they um, don't get a lot of hands-on work with dogs. Yeah. So, um, so that's where they really think that this program will help the students um, learn how to work with dogs before they get there. Yeah, that's awesome. And then explain a little bit about like the in-person lab versus the online stuff, like how just the program's structured so people who are listening and maybe interested in it know how it works. So the online portion, um, the first, it's right, it's five modules um, the first three modules, I think is about, if I remember right, is about eight, nine hours of online, um, PowerPoint presentation, um, that's intermixed with me talking, um, me presenting the information and videos and, um, other instructional information. 
and homework. There's a little <laughs> bit of homework. There's also um, quizzes for each one of those modules. Um, module four is the instructional material for all of the foundation behaviors that you need for the base layer of all of the exercises. Okay. So what is the correct posture for all of the exercises? Um, what is um, the correct position? All of that stuff so that you can take that posture and do more with it later. Um, I think the, the that posture piece is one of those pieces that is very forgotten in fitness. People just take, you know, a canine fit bone or whatever, and they throw their dog on it, and they're like, oh, we're doing fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, and they don't really realize that there's an actual correct posture for the exercises. And so they're they're not really understanding how to make sure that they're working the muscles that they intend to. So oftentimes I ask people, you know, what is, you know, what did you come to me for today? And they're like, well, my dog needs more rear end awareness. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, and I've been working really, really hard on it. You know, like, but I I don't seem to be achieving that goal. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, what have you been doing? And, um, you know, this is my hot topic, so I had to go there. Um, but, <laughs> oh, Bobby, um, don't poke the bear. It's only five minutes I know, in. I have to poke the bear. <laughs> so, um, but they will often tell me, well, we've been backing up to this, and we've been, you know, backing up to these things, and we've been doing, um, what do I want to say, um, all of these backing up op- to objects. Yep. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a front end driven exercise. And as soon as you lift the rear feet up higher, then (laughs) now all of the weight is focused forward. Right. So, um, so they're like, Oh, (laughs) I didn't think about that, which is fine because, because that was rear end awareness for many, 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 many years in the sport world. Right. That's what we all thought it was Mm -hmm. Um, until we realized, Oh, well, we're really teaching them to shift weight forward. We're not really teaching them to actively use their rear end. So, so it's, it's really learning that shift of where is the weight shifted so that we know that we're really working the muscles that we want to. So if we are working the biceps, for instance, in the front leg, the weight has to be shifted there, Mm -hmm. right? If we're trying to work the um, adductors, um, which is like the inside muscles of the rear legs or the front legs, then the weight has to be shifted there. It can't be just, you know, you can't be swinging the leg and it's, you know, it's just not a movement. It's actually has to be where the weight is shifted. Just like that's why we have weights that we hold when we're doing fitness. Um, It can't just be a a limb in the air or a movement of something. Um, It has to be weight attached to it. Well, and that's what a dog's doing when it's on the dock jumping off. There's weight shifting happening, agility. Mm -hmm. The the dog, that's how they're functionally performing their exercises. And, you know, I don't, not everyone has a real fitnessy background from a human perspective, but like Scott, when we went to PT for his back, it's very, he was very conscious of posture. You know what I mean? Like it would cause a lot of pain if you were not in the right posture, I would say, correct? Oh, it was a joy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got a lot closer over his herniated disc I, a few summers ago. I have a question, Bobby. This is coming from <laughs> ignorance. But with those first few uh, modules that are covering, you know, it's eight or nine or ten hours of material, mm-hmm. do you have a hard copy that can go with that? Yep. So yep. They, because when you're working with your dog, you don't want to be looking at a laptop. You want to be able to have sure. to look at these uh, illustrations and whatnot. She's, yep. she's got it all covered yep. from an educational yep. perspective. So the... And the first three modules are really about setting the groundwork. It's about talking about, it's talking about the posture. It's talking about gait. It's talking about the planes of motion, making sure that you're working the dog in all directions. It's talking about 
how do we get there? How do we teach the dog those things? We're not going, it's not rehab. So the dog is physically capable of doing the behavior on their own. Mm -hmm. They are not dragging their limbs around. So we're not picking their feet up and putting them on equipment. Mm -hmm. So we want to teach them how to do that. And that's all about teaching the targeting skills and all the things that that lots of people um, don't want to spend their time doing. But but it really doesn't take that long. And like it's, it's all in foundation. Like I even have some, I even have shortcuts <laughs> teaching these things because even though I'm a nerd and I like to, you know, I like to shape things because I am a KPA faculty member. I do like to shape behavior because that's. I wasn't sure what those guys did. Now, now I'm starting to understand. <laughs> Don't listen. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so I mean, I do like to. I do like to shape behaviors, but there are shortcuts that you can do that people can get by with, without luring the dog across, across to equipment. And luring isn't bad. I show a different way to lure. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I don't want the dog to weight shift forward because they're married to a cookie the whole time. Yeah, and I'm with And if you. they are married to a cookie the whole time, then they are going to be shifting weight forward. Yeah. One thing I noticed in the uh, canine fitness industry over the past 12 years is I went to a seminar with Jess about 11, 12 years ago, yeah. and they didn't even have fitness equipment. that We were using human fitness mm-hmm. equipment for dogs. Now there's a lot specifically made. I remember with the ball, they didn't even have a way to stabilize the ball. So you had to hold the ball, get the dog yep. on the ball, which yep. is a, you know, the dog's naturally going to be stressed out about why am I getting on this mushy thing that I have to balance yep. on. So yep. there's a lot of stuff going on there. That and now has, we don't even use a ball. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's what I mean. <laughs> now the ball is the most dangerous thing that has yeah. ever been now on the, the market. Now the ball isn't even a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now if you use a ball, you're a freaking idiot. All right, so let's talk about equipment. That's a good segue. So if you're going to tank this program and um, you're either doing it to expand your business professionally, which honestly, you guys, like we're here with you. We've been dog trainers in a lot of different areas. It's nice to be able to offer another type of class. If you feel like your facility is absolutely maxed out on what they can offer, you could be offering a canine fitness class through taking this program. Maybe you have a lot of students who are, you know, dogs are athletes. They're, you know, competitive students, you know, nose work. Yes, it's a sport. Maybe it's not as physically taxing on the dogs, but things like agility, fly ball, dock diving. A lot of facilities have these types of things where you have these dogs that are coming and they're really athletically working themselves really hard. You could be learning this information to help those students. So tell me a little bit about if somebody's thinking about using this for their own sake or for a certification for a new career path or something, what kind of equipment should they have available for them? Really quick though, I'm going to back up to, I do want to give a shout out for just your average pet dog who needs to have something to do. Yeah. Uh, thanks so for that shout out. That's a good think- one. And I also am going to do a quick shout out to Jairus Hightower, who has martial arts in New York City. He has fitnesses involved in every obedience class or manners class that he does. So the dogs do fitness and they do their manners work or their whatever. And they have they do swimming, they do treadmill work, they do balance work. Um, They do all of those things in and amongst every single class that he has there because he believes that. The way he does things is you work the body and you work the mind. Yeah. And he does that for the dog. So, and I think that that is a really amazing concept because that is what we do for people yes. a lot of times. Yes. And yeah. I do want to say. the dogs need it as well. Yeah. And I do want to say in addition to that, 
That is such a good point. And I'm envisioning so many of our own clients that like, I'm like, here, here's a nose work course that you can do. And if they don't have a kid or something, they're like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really want to put food in boxes or, you know, here, here's a tricks course you can do. And yeah, maybe they teach their dog to spin. But again, it's kind of like, well, I don't really want to do this. We have a lot of clients who are really big into fitness, right? Like they have their own fitness stuff there. So they may actually even be more excited to get out of FitBone and do, okay, you're going to do your, you know, strengthening exercise while I do this. We're going to do our warm-ups together before the run. So I'm glad you brought that up. And that is even thinking of our clients, maybe they'd be more prone to that. What I want to say, say a, a side note, which isn't really a, it's not a real big side note. It's more of a central note, I think, is that it builds so much more confidence in the dog to get, to learn how to do something. And they're going to be apprehensive. And then they're like, okay, I got it. It's just another yeah. thing that they've got in their toolbox. Oh, this is Super no big confident. deal. It didn't kill me. Yeah, yeah I right. can get on a treadmill. Yeah. All right. So let's get to equipment. I love now that, you- that about fitness. I love watching the dog go, what is that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, and then have them go, oh, yeah. I did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's amazing. Yeah. To watch when they come for the yeah, next class, that. that's the first thing they want to do. Yeah. 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 So tell us about equipment okay, now because we segued. But I, that was a great segue. Yeah. I'm so glad we went to yeah. the pet dog world. Yeah. So my, um, my favorite equipment right now is, um, I, uh, is some stuff that isn't available yet, but it's coming out. Um, oh, Bobby. So, uh, Clip and Go Agility is going to be making some close, uh, cell phone, um, platforms and, and of all different shapes and, and sizes. So things like two by fours, but it's going to have contact coat on both sides. So the nice thing is, is that it doesn't slide on any surface. Okay. Um, and they're light and you can take them anywhere, but they're, um, I also like Kato boards. I, I do like climbs, although I don't use them as much as I used to. A little pricey too. Boards. Well, I mean, I already have them. <laughs> so price, everything you know, evolves in the dog world, but for, for the, the, the new clip and go equipment, the Kato boards, what about like fit posy kind of stuff? What type of like, does everybody um, need, you know, donut? Like, what does everybody need? Um, I mean, I, I always like um, the basics, you know. Um, I think everybody, if you're going to do um, fitness, you should have some uh, insta- unstable equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I always go for two small discs. I always go for, you know, at least one canine fit bone. Um, depends on the size of the dog though. Right. So, um, I do like one peanut. Um, if you have a climb, I want a peanut that fits in the climb. Um, I like, um, for bigger dogs, I do two peanuts. I don't actually stand dogs on peanuts anymore. Yeah. It's not my thing, Um, but I do do two peanuts. Um, I will stand a dog on two peanuts. Um, and that is one of the uses for the climbs that I like because you can fit two climbs together and they don't separate and you put two climbs on the or two peanuts in the climbs upside down uh-huh. and then they don't push them apart. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So it makes it nice. Um, although that's a really expensive, yeah. <laughs> really expensive holder, <laughs> or peanut holder. I mean, or, um, or you get a new dining room table, either one, <laughs> right. You know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, climbs can be used for lots of things. I do like climbs for height. Um, the Kato boards are not something that work for height. Right. So, um, so I use them a lot for that. And I do like that the angle, there's lots of things, but I do pull out my more stable equipment, um, more often than my, um, unstable equipment, especially because I want the posture correct before I go to unstable. So I do use a lot of the fit pause. I have all of the fit pause equipment, but like a starter set, I would say, um, fit bones, 
small discs. Um, the mini fit bones um, work really well to keep the feet underneath, um, like rear feet or front feet underneath the hips. Even though they're mini, yeah. they work for a lot of big, like I have um, Rhodesian Ridgebacks that can stand on the mini fit bones, but they are standing with their limbs right underneath their shoulders and hips. Yeah, it keeps everybody in alignment. For, a that alignment, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so oftentimes on the regular size fit bones, they stand too wide. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I have to jockey them into position all the time. And, um, and so I'll switch out for a mini. Um, so it just, it, it really depends on the size of the dog. But if, they, um, if somebody wants to take this program, it's not like you have to buy, you know, X amount of things to do it. If you take the program. No. And, and in fact, I told do. them, I told them they should have two, two platforms of some kinds like Kato boards, climbs, whatever. Um, it could be two position boxes that have non-slip surface flipped over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care what yeah. it is. Just as long as it is non-slip on the top. Um, I like it to be elevated a little bit, just makes the dog try a little bit harder. Um, and two, two by fours with non-slip, um, something on it. Um, I like, I like yoga mats. It does give the dog something to grip. So I just hot glue them to the two by fours. And that's what, that's basically all they need to start because all they're going to be doing during the program is practicing foundation behaviors. Mm -hmm. That's, Until they get to the lab. That's everything and then in we dog can talk training. talk about equipment at the lab. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So really, it, it's not like they have to make a big financial investment in equipment. They can take the program. And how long, what is the length of the program for someone that wants to like delve into this? Just explain kind of like start to finish how long somebody would be like expecting this to be a part of their lives. So um, we launched the program, the program in... August, I guess. Um, and the first lab is in November. So the people who started in August, um, that are taking the lab in November. So say it just depends on how you manage your time. Like I have some people that like lickety split, you know, like sat down and watched the, those first three modules in like, you know, no time at all, like within a couple of days. Binging. Yeah, they binging on Bobby. Binging on Bobby. Binge watch Bobby. Yeah, and they sent me pictures of of you know, or had somebody like I called them and they're like, it's so weird, like you called me and I'm watching you. Um, Whatever. Don't call um, me. I take the program. Yeah, or they'll send me a picture of their dog watching um, because they hear my voice. Mm -hmm. But um, so (laughs) the part that takes the most time, and I think the hardest part about time management is working through the foundation behaviors. So that particular module is, it's several hours of instructional material, but it's just a matter of you watching, like there's three videos of each behavior showing a different way of training each thing, right? So if the first video you watch, like on how to train downstand is the one that works for you, you don't. You can watch the other ones, but you don't necessarily have to try it all three ways. Yeah. Right. Um, we just the expectation is, is that you've you've watched the videos, you've tried the behaviors, you get one homework work assignment assignment for the lab where you are expected to be able to teach someone else how to do the behavior. Um, and that's really to prepare you for the lab. Cause I, you know, just you know me. I'm gonna throw people <laughs> under the bus a little bit at the lab. You're gonna push people. You're going to push people. people. It's not throwing them under the bus. You're pushing them to be better. To to try new things. And even if they're online, they're going to be teaching someone else that's online or even somebody that might be in person in my studio um, to 
to do one of those behaviors. And it's not that they have to be able to do it perfectly. They just have to be able to tell me what's wrong with it. Yeah. That's it. I just want them to understand well, I'm good at that. what is the correct <laughs> posture. Scott can right. point out what's wrong with everything too. He can come and have his critical pointing finger. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just want people to start to understand what is the correct posture because that's the piece I can't give everybody is I can't give you experience. I can't give you the hours and hours that I have spent watching dogs, right? And so I want them to get that the practice of watching what's what's right about this, what's wrong about this, and not from a not necessarily right wrong perspective, but how can we change it or can we change it? Like how do we adjust it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like, because it, not every dog is going to look exactly the same. Yeah. But it is a kind of a right, wrong behavior in the sense that dogs, if they're in this cookie coma or if they're very high drive mm-hmm. or something, they are going to do things positionally that may not feel as good to them as if they were in alignment because they want to work for us, right? Like this is right. why a dog who's severely injured can still fly itself over 20 jumps and get a blue ribbon. These are the dogs right. that we want as teammates and everything else. So being right. in correct posture and in alignment is not only benefiting the dog in front of you, but benefiting their future too, because repetition builds behavior. And ideally we want that body moving properly. That's the way I at least look at it. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I, I have somebody in my coaching program right now and, and I was watching this, this dog had a very minor injury, came to me to, for return to sport. And, um, after they did rehab and all that stuff and the dog was jumping just very not confidently, like was like squaring off jumps. Like I'm going to take every jump at a straight line. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it was just funky, you know, yeah, funky, not yeah. rounding, yeah. not doing anything. And we did a lot of work to get this dog to shift weight to its rear. We did a lot of work to get the dog to engage its lower abdominal muscles. We did a lot of work to get this dog off its shoulders. And when I watch this dog jump now, it almost makes me cry Yeah, because I can see the confidence in this dog's jumping. And we did some jumping exercises that were, I'll say, outside the box. I'm not an agility instructor, but I wanted the dog to jump a certain way. And um, and the dog is just, he's phenomenal now. Yeah. Like he is faster. He's jumping more confidently. He's keeping bars up. It's amazing. Yeah. But this particular dog, like I said, the video that I saw versus the video I see now is just it's just amazing. Yeah. No. And, and you think about it, we do it no problem for track and field, of course. Like, yes, we're going to go and we're going to work musculature and strength and everything else and football players. But then when it comes to dogs, sometimes we just think like, oh yeah, we'll just go to this class and then compete on the weekends and everything else. But the dogs need this. They need this support. Um, muscle mass. Let's talk about measuring muscle mass. This is a big one for me. Um, so it. do you cover this in the course? Um, is this like, just talk about m- measuring muscle, ma- muscle, muscle mass. We will. We'll cover it during the lab. It's not covered online, but we'll cover it during the lab. Um, it is something that um, that I want people to understand because we are not um, we are not doing rehab. Um, what I really want people to understand is that if there is more than a centimeter difference, um, it is a it needs to likely go to rehab, except in certain situations. And we'll talk about those. One of those is a healing situation. If it's a law enforcement dog, an IP or a Schutzen dog, or any sort of protection sport dog, any sort of healing dog, if it is more than a centimeter off on the left side, it doesn't have to go to rehab or anything. It is because they have done way (laughs) too much healing, way too much. And I can correct that easily. 
<clears throat> Let me back up. What's the proper exercise? I can tell them to correct it easily <laughs> yeah. by, <laughs> yeah. by healing on the right. But um, so we'll have to talk about these things. But what I don't want to get into is we are not building um, massive bodybuilders, yeah. right? So I had a situation um, with somebody um, a while back where her dog was popping out of the weave poles um, because um, the complaint was the dog was popping out of the weave poles, we'll just say. And when I met the dog in person, um, I couldn't move her skin because she had done so much static fitness exercises where the dog wasn't moving. Mm. She had, she had made this little Kelpie into a little bodybuilder. Yeah. She was very, you know, <laughs> stiff and, and she had nice muscle, Yeah, but she didn't move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I wasn't going to see her for six months because she's actually in another country. Um, I said, no, no static exercises from now until the next time I see you. I want you to move this dog through motion. I want you to do Cavalettis and I want you, you can do exercises, but she needs to move. Yeah. And when I saw her the next time, she was she was able to move. I could move skin. Yeah. Um, she was not popping out of the weave poles anymore. But she, but the weave poles were painful. <laughs> no, I'm sure. And that's a good point that you bring up. Like, she couldn't bend. Yeah. She, she couldn't, you know. Everybody wants bulk, but really it's just to me about evenness. Bulk. It's about evenness. So that's why I bring yeah. up muscle mass because yes. I sank out an iliopsoas injury when she was younger. Yeah. That's how I first met Bobby. She went yep. and got stem cell at VOSM. I did on in-person um, private lessons, not in-person, I'm sorry, online support with Bobby. And I've met her in person many times since then. And the whole point of this is you need to know what your dog's baseline is. So like Bobby's saying, if it's over a centimeter, maybe your dog's already injured as of right now. Let's go back and look at that. But you'll start to see small differences. And then to me, muscle mass is one of the last things that should go. Like, oh, wow, it went down a half centimeter. The dog really isn't using this limb as properly anymore. So it's really important, just like with humans. If you have a good eye, you're always watching. Like, how is that person walking? Are they walking even? What lead are they taking off from with for this jump? All of that kind of stuff stuff. So it's just about being keen with your eyes, in my opinion. Yes. And, you know, I think one of the things that people don't realize is like just going back to the healing dog, people don't realize that they're leaving that right side at risk. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just me saying you're healing too much. You have a muscle imbalance. It's me saying you're leaving the right side at risk because it's not as strong as the left side. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, and this stuff happens all the time, right? Just, just a, and not just picking on healing. It's just a really easy one to pick on right now. But when you have a muscle imbalance, you're leaving that that smaller side at risk for injury. Okay, and I think that that's the piece that people miss. Yeah, is that it's not just that there's an imbalance, and by the time you have an imbalance, there's probably a reason. There's probably a a now chronic injury that has caused that or a repetitive movement that the dog is doing. So oftentimes in, um, I'll pick on Malinois for a second because it's, it's an easy target. Hey, slow down. Um, yeah. slow down. <laughs> <laughs> so oftentimes I find in Malinois that it's not just healing. It's the way they circle. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Get them, get them neurotically spinning both ways and it'll be better for them. Yeah. Trust you're preaching to the choir over here. Right. <laughs> it's the it's the direction that they circle in the yard 
and the healing that causes yeah. the imbalance. And the spinning in the <laughs> crane. You don't, you don't own them, but they, they have a preference of how they spin, that breed. I can see I that for sure. I can see that for sure. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your home life right now, because you have some new stuff going on over there. You've been yeah. a busy little bee. I do. I have right now some, I have eight little tiny um, mini American shepherds um, with tails and dew claws, and they're super cute, and the little tails are going. <laughs> and they're going to keep them all. That's my yes, girl. They are. <laughs> so, um, how is it with puppies? You've never raised a litter of puppies before, right? What's going on? I there? have not. Um, these are a lot of new things for me um, with this. I had never whelped puppies before. I, uh, I mean, as a kid, we lived on property and we had animals and they had babies. Um, but I never, um, like, it wasn't a <laughs> wasn't purposeful breeding yeah. necessarily. <laughs> um, and, um, and I wasn't like right there, yeah. um, doing it, um, except for, um, with a horse and bunnies. Um, so, um, my animal, my, my personal cats and dogs actually had their, um, puppies and kittens under my bed as a kid. Um, but I wasn't involved, um, with, um, these ones, um, extra, um, her first baby got stuck, um, tried to come out, uh, with its head up. And so she ended up having to have an emergency C-section and we lost that puppy. Um, and then uh, Flurry, I actually whelped the first two puppies myself, which was um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first puppy that came out was um, was the one that I ended up having to spend uh, three and a half weeks um, feeding and keeping alive because uh, he was... Again, I don't know anything about all of these things, but apparently they can be positioned where they're the they have like a lack of blood supply, um, where they're not getting as much nutrients. So he yeah. could basically look like a preemie. Yeah. So he's the first puppy I ever whelped before, and he comes out, and I'm like, hmm, he looks small. This yeah. doesn't look exactly right. Oh, but. poor Bobby. <laughs> okay, yeah. And then I have another breeder on the phone, and I'm like, I don't think he's breeding. She's like, just rub him, and I'm like, I'm rubbing. I'm still rubbing. She's like, just keep rubbing him. <laughs> And then he breathes, and then he breathes. But he's doing pretty well right now, right? He's perfect. Good, good. He's perfect. He's like this week. He's a he's a puppy. Yeah, he's finally a puppy. Good job. He's doing all the things on his own. I don't have to do like I had to do all the things for him. Um, but yeah, I have learned how to do amazing things. But um, Bobby's turned into God now that she's brought a few letters. Oh my God! Um, never. Yeah, that you do. You, it's it's a lot of responsibility. Before. It's a it's a yeah, lot, and lot and and there's a lot popping up. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry about that first puppy that you lost, but it's it's heartbreaking. Like it it's happens. it's not an easy to go. And I, Bobby's so cute. I wrote her a few days in. I'm like, how's it going? She's like, I'm tired. My uh, there's bags under my eyes. She's like, I'm not sleeping much. So how's it going now that they're all growing up and chirping? And are they just messy and noisy and stinky? What's happening? Um, they're great. You know, <laughs> I'm so thankful that the weather here has been great because we've been able to take them outside every day and, um, extras puppies are, um, you know, even at three and a half weeks, we had them out in the yard and at three and a half weeks, they're like running and like literally chasing my husband, um, <laughs> in the yard at three and a half weeks. Yeah. I was like amazed at how mobile they were. And, um, and, where Flurry's puppies at three and a half works weeks, they were outside going, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> you know, like it was just having both litters has been really interesting because extras puppies are like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and Flurry's puppies, you know, they're just a little bit behind. I yeah. mean, they're nine days 
younger also, but they're just, they're just maturing at a slightly slower pace. <laughs> and so it's really interesting to watch them. Um, just like I said, that like at three and a half weeks, they went outside and they went, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and probably for your sanity, now they're running around. Yeah. And but, probably for your sanity, it's best that they're not all balls to the wall at the same time, or it might be, you know, I can hardly keep these other three in their pen. <laughs> like I open the door and they're like, see ya. Are you and Frank planning on keeping one or what's your plan? You know, we haven't um, really had a conversation about it, to be honest. my, my You don't want to have it on the podcast? <laughs> Get Frank in here. Come on, Frank. Let's make the decision together. <laughs> my whole thing my whole thing has been, um, you know, if the right temperament um, fits, then yes. I mean, yes, I all of my mini Aussies don't have tails and dew claws. Well, a couple of them had dew claws, but none of them have tails. And yes, I want one with with a tail. And what is the but, reason for that? Just if you could explain for everyone else the benefit of a I tail. Strongly believe and preach that all dogs should just like keep all of their parts. <laughs> but also, but also um, they use their tail for so many things, for balance, for communication. Um, if they're jumping, they, they use it to, um, to help propel themselves over the jump and to land the jump. They use it to turn. They use it as a rudder when they're swimming. They use it for so, so many things. Um, if they don't have a tail, I mean, they, use, they learn to do all of those things without a tail. Yeah. Um, but I just, the reason for, um, for docking their tails, it, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's kind of silly that AKC, it's still in the standard to, um, to dock their tail. So um, I actually, <laughs> I won't talk about it too much, but I actually <laughs> recently got into um, to an argument with somebody about, um, about phantom nerve pain uh -huh. associated with the tail docking, right? And she's like, it's all anecdotal. There is no, no actual science that says that that's actually a real thing. And I'm like, well, what I can tell you is that um, one of mine used to squeal all the time until we did cold laser actually yeah. on her. And now she doesn't do it anymore. It happened with Bam. Uh, Bammer, my rat terrier mix, she always had chiropractically needed to be adjusted and get, get that fixed. But definitely she had that going on too. So everybody- like People turn around and squeal. <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, anecdotal or not, like it was there. And yeah. I just, I have so many clients that, that talk about it, but- um, and some of it has to do with how the tail is docked. Yeah. Like there's, some, there's different ways that the tail is docked, but, but again, I just, why? Yeah. And who wants their dog to be in pain is the bottom line at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, regardless of where you guys are at with, you know, your own journey, as far as if you're breeding puppies and you have puppies on the ground right now, or you're in the middle of your fitness journey or anything else, I think Bobby is a really important resource. And Scott and I both really value Bobby as a resource. We've had her out to do seminars and we've had facilities before. We've worked with her with all of our dogs. Uh, Scott's worked her dog drama and bite work before. Like, focus on people out there who are truly making a difference. And to me, Bobby, you're making a huge difference. You talk to your students, you see who you're working with, and people are getting results. And we definitely saw that with Sink. And honestly, still to this day, she's going to be 12 in March. She's in perfect alignment. She's all even. And it's all because when you start having a real keen eye with how you look at your dog and what you expect from your dog and even what sit you're going to freaking feed in the kitchen. It sounds crazy, but if you're going to feed a sloppy sit, maybe you're going to start harnessing a sloppy sit. What you work with matters. So honestly, as far as the fitness situation goes, the press release for this new program that came from the North Carolina State University 
for the CSCC will be on the Quirky Dog website um, on Bobby's episode link. And then the link for getting enrolled or whatever else, it's going to be in the description, but it's ncsuvetce.com and then slash canine hyphen fitness hyphen CSCC. Bobby, is there anything else you want to say about the program or something else? We're excited for you. Congratulations. And um, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I really think that the world needs more fitness. The more of this we can have for these dogs, the, the better it'll be to see rehab specialists, I guess, because they're so damn busy right now. <laughs> you can't even see right. them. <laughs> right. All the rehab people are super, super excited. Well, I shouldn't say like, most of the rehab people are super excited about fitness, but I think that most of them see dogs that are capable of doing all of the exercises. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they can, the dogs are actually recovering from injury faster because of fitness, because they learn how to do all of the movements and they don't get injured as badly. Yeah, no, completely. So, so yeah. And anything else that we missed about the program that you want to say? Uh, anything we didn't touch on? Um, I guess um, let's go back just really quick to the, you asked how long it takes to go through the program. And yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. I've Sorry, the that. November lab we were so, in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think it just depends on how, how fast you want to go through the program. Um, the, um, the lab itself is three days. So the online portion, like I said, is about eight hours. And then the four, the fourth module is um, all the training. So it's however long you want to spend on that. You can spend, you know, depending on who you are. You probably shouldn't binge train your dog. <laughs> you can binge you can Bobby. Binge Don't train binge train. <laughs> yeah, you have to spend a little bit of time. Um, and the fifth module is really just um, example workouts for okay. um, like agility dogs, flyball dogs, um, pet dogs. There'll just be like um, an example workout for, for different situations. Okay. Um, and then the lab is three days and there's case studies um, that'll be due um, within 60 days of the lab and then the final exam. Okay, great. I think it sounds awesome. And it's open enrollment, correct? Like it's not... It's open enrollment. You can enroll anytime. Okay. Um, and then you just basically, once you enroll, you get to pick which lab you go to. Yeah. So you can enroll in the online portion. I think um, the way it's set up is they want you to um, go through the lab within a year of enrolling the online portion. That sounds The reasonable. nice thing about it is you can pay for the online portion and then you can be like, okay, I'm done with that portion. Now I want to pay for the lab and, yeah. you know, and you can kind of pay as you go. Or if you really are like, no, I really want this lab, then you can pay for both at the same time so that you definitely get into the lab that you want to, which a lot of people do. Okay, awesome. And right now the lab is, is it's virtual okay. and in person. So if you want to come and train with me in person, you can come um, to my studio and train there. And then if you are incapable of doing that, um, you can be online. And so I will run a hybrid environment. Okay. Um, the only, um, the only one that will not be that way right now is the one where I will be in North Carolina at Carolina ranch in March. That one will be in person only. Okay. And I think it's just because they don't have the ability to offer yeah, the hybrid, yeah. um, the hybrid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen Bobby in person, she's super fun. So I would opt for the in-person regardless. <laughs> and my place is really well <laughs> positioned. There's Food and all kinds of Puppies. stuff. Really, within walking distance of my place. So a dog-friendly hotel. Um, in February, my place is going to be expanded to twice the the space. So I'll be able to accommodate more people. Oh, great. Um, right now, I can only accommodate 10. Um, but in uh, after February, I'll be able to accommodate more people in person. 
Sweet. So. I haven't actually been out to Bobby's location, but I've seen her probably six places um, throughout North America. I know, other that. places. I know, I always travel. <laughs> um, but no, I do. That's a bucket list trip for sure. I want to get out there. And thank you for, you know, having this program. You have a lot of faculty endorsements. You have a lot of people working with you with this. And yeah. people need this information. I think this is good information to get out to the dog-owning public, the, you know, sport competitors, like we talked about, a lot of stuff. And as it gets to be winter here, I mean, Maine's getting cold. We're starting to close up shop. The sweet potatoes are going to get pulled. There's not as many <laughs> outdoor activities that I want to sure. be doing when there's, you know, two feet of snow on the ground. So I'm excited to dig into this for our own dogs and go back to some foundation stuff for us. And I'll keep you guys updated with how that's going for us. Anything else, babe? I have a quick question unrelated to the course. Oh, here we go. And okay. I know we're going to wrap it up, but I've <laughs> been good. I've been getting out jogging and I've taken my Malinois out for some short jogs on the street. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get back, I do like a mile and a half with him. I'm not pushing him hard or myself. Sure. But the last time I came back from that, I'm thinking, is there any safe amount of pavement running for a dog? Because if I, can, I can keep going. I mean, I can start doing three miles and then five miles, but I'm really hesitant to take my dog out <clears throat> on the pavement, pounding him for five miles. But do you think they'll just build up and be good? Or do you think it's just a recipe for something down the road is going to start happening with that impact? How old is he? Seven. Okay. Has he had any previous injury? No. Okay. He's a great so, dog. He's perfect. <laughs> He's perfect. Okay. That, that's the problem. So, he will he will never stop. And he will probably so, hide an injury too. Right. So the answer so the answer is kind of uh, deep, I guess. <laughs> um, originally I was told by an orthopedist that it was perfectly safe to um to jog with your dog or trot them on pavement. Um 20 minutes, three times a week, which is not very far. No. Right. Like, so, that's, so say that's like about what I'm doing up. now. Yeah. So it's about what you're doing now, like a, a little warm up, trotting, cool down, whatever. Um, but there's really no science that supports that. Does that make sense? Like there's, yeah. there's nothing out there that really says you should only do this or you should only do that. I have people like in Europe that do like 15 mile, like, you know, uh, forest runs with their dogs on a regular basis. I have clients like that too. Right. So the answer really is, um, they need to be built up. So like, um, (laughs) good example. I have a law enforcement guy next door. He gets his, his first Malinois ever. Um, and in that first week he tries to take him for a run at a year old. And he says to me, he doesn't like to run. And I'm like, you just got this dog. He doesn't know you. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like to run with you, but he likes running in general. (laughs) He's like, I was like pulling him along. I'm like, dude, he doesn't know you. (laughs) Bring the cookie. Like if, if you are paying attention to signs of fatigue is the big thing. If you are ever in a situation, Scott, where your dog is lagging behind you, (laughs) that would be a sign of fatigue. Well, I thought uh, that's what the e-collar was for. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott can't. I don't yeah. even know why we're talking about Scott going more than two miles. Two miles, he's maxing out. No, I, I'm not talking about dogs being conditioned. Yeah. And I think they can run through the woods and, and off of pavement for, you can get, I have a right. client whose Forever. dog can run 15 miles, no problem with her. Right. She's and a marathon runner. Off leash, they can, they can regulate their own. Like right. they can stop and rest, they can do, but on leash, all you really want to watch for is signs of fatigue. The big thing is, is that most people don't 
don't see the signs, yeah. right? Like if your dog slows down in legs, if they are, um, you know, dropping their head a lot, if they are, um, you have to know your dog and their signs of fatigue, but sure. signs of fatigue is what should be stopping you. And it shouldn't be the sign of fatigue that, that tells you to turn around at the furthest point from the house. Yeah. Right? right. So you have to be careful, but it's really about signs of fatigue. It's really not about, can my dog jog? or run five miles on pavement. It's really about fatigue. I was only and thinking the, about impact on joints. You know, that's all. Cause his fatigue, he's not, he doesn't get tired doing a 20 minute run. I'm right, just, I'm just right. thinking if he's pounding on pavement all the time, am I going to wind up with an ankle issue or a shoulder or something just from pounding all the time? You know, I mean, it's possible, but there's no science to back it up. Okay. I think the science sense? is a hundred percent. No, with Jess as his wife. Cause no. Jess knows the dog's muscle mass and I'll, the, I'll the be, way the dog moves. I'll be bringing him back <laughs> doing the fireman's carry. He'll, he'll be so, on my... Right. So I can say this is that if you can drop him off into the um, dirt, um, like if onto grass or dirt, common sense tells me that that's better for his joints. It's yep. also better for yours. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Um, if you can trot him on a rubberized track, I would say that's also better for your joints and his joints. So I would say common sense comes into play here. Um, if he had had any sort of previous limb injury, I would say, um, that, that also, again, common sense comes into play that you have to be careful, Mm -hmm. um, with that. Um, and I also wouldn't trot a dog on pavement, um, before their growth plates are closed because, because, Um, I personally have seen two dogs, um, that had, um, stress fractures in their bones from, it was presumed, it was presumed to be from running on pavement because, um, the rehab person knew the dogs had been run on pavement from the time they were six months until the time they were 10 months when these dogs both had stress fractures. Yeah. Well, that's, that's... (laughs) Just like jumping off puppies, jumping off couches, the same stuff. Gonna, Can we prove it? You're going to. No. <laughs> but. <laughs> but you may have trouble. All right. So lead with right. common sense. Common sense is in Scott's yeah, strong sense suit. You like know this. Thing. Scott, this Does isn't where Does everybody have common sense? <laughs> no. But I'm just saying, you got to, you really, there's not science to back up everything. You just really have to watch your dog. And I think that, that the biggest problem out there is that, that not everybody sees their dog as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everybody sees their dog as not just a dog. Does that make sense? No, it's true. And I think that's the hardest part for everybody is they're like, well, he wants to do it. He's going to do it. So if he'll, if he'll chase the ball again, I'm going to throw it again. No, no. Right. No, they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll go forever for us. They'll go. Some dogs will literally go until they drop. Yeah, no, it's true. So we have to be their advocate and I'm with, I'm with you. Well, that's why I asked. No, there you go. You know, He's being his advocate. Because I know <laughs> when I get out there, I'm feeling pain. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, why the hell? He doesn't want to. I'm 10 minutes down the road thinking, is this a good idea for me? Maybe I should be home go. in bed. He's not going to make it five <laughs> miles himself. I'm like, why are we talking about this for 10 minutes? Bobby, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you for taking time away from your two beautiful litters of puppies. If you guys haven't seen them, uh-huh. they're the cutest freaking things ever. And you guys, check yeah. out this program, the CSCC. Click on the link below. I'm going to do it. I love Bobby Lyons. Thanks for coming on. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. 150 episodes later, we'll have you back again. Take care, Bobby. All right. Bye. Keep it quirky, guys. 
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.